All right, folks, welcome to Justify Your Existence, the Daily Journal's podcast on all things Mississippi State, Ole Miss, the SEC, and beyond. As you can tell, I'm not Parrish Alford. I'm Stefan Kreischnik, our Mississippi State beat reporter. Parrish is uh, enjoying his Ole Miss bye week down on the coast of, of Mississippi. And uh, today, it'll just be me and Michael Katzer, Ole Miss reporter, talking some, some football here. What's up, Michael? I was going to say, Parrish, you look really good. I, I was going to say that vacation <laughs> some wonders for your skincare routine but uh I'm, I'm doing well i'm doing well apparently it's started raining and thundering here so it, it feels like saturday again yeah yeah that was uh that was tough for you guys i mean take me take me through that that evening i, I was in the basement of liberty bowl stadium kind of re- preparing for mike leach's press conference it's already kind of late worrying about our deadline making sure i'm catching everything and then i check twitter and, and you guys are uh, at least waiting until nine o'clock until kickoff yeah, so I think the funniest thing was, one, the student section refused to leave, even though, I mean, it was like, hey, there's lightning trucks, get out because you are sitting on giant metal, on giant metal things. Um, none of them left, even though it was pouring too, which was fantastic. Um, and then two, Vaughn Hemingway Stadium does this thing where it does like flashing strobe lights. Um, and so there were times when I couldn't tell if it was another lightning strike or if the stadium was <laughs> like having a moment so like literally i'd be looking down and i'd like i look around and be like oh uh, no are we are doing this again um but you know all things considered it was actually a pretty fast game once it got started and luckily there were no delays once it started but man uh i mean it was like a swimming pool out there for a while they did a really nice job of like i guess mopping the field is what they kind of did it, it drains surprisingly well uh as, as lane kiffin said you know at FAU, he he had a bunch of these delays, so this wasn't their first rodeo. Uh, but I gotta imagine it's it's got to be pretty tough just be waiting around for two hours and like eating snacks and stretching. Yeah, I will say I saw on TikTok a little bit some videos from Ole Miss fans. Um, I mean, they're they're like Ole Miss fans. I think do this more than any team in terms of like actually like dressing like fairly nice for games you attend. So there's a lot of like frat guys wearing like full on suits and stuff like mud wrestling and sliding through mud and tailgating fields. And I'm like, you know what? Like, I love the enthusiasm. I love them sticking around. But I, if I'm wearing a what I assume is a pretty expensive suit, I don't know if diving into the mud is uh, is exactly my approach there. But uh, obviously Ole Miss walks away with the, uh, the win there against Tulane. Uh, Mississippi State went on the road and, and lost 31-29 in a bit of a controversial way to, to Memphis. So before we get started here, make sure uh, you guys, uh, you guys, the listeners, Follow us on uh, your favorite podcast platforms to justify your existence or listen to our podcast at djournal.com slash podcast. So, Michael, let's go ahead and start and reflect a little bit on this past week in the SEC before we talk to you specifically about the teams we cover. Um, I think the, the most important game in terms of in SEC play, uh, Alabama takes down Florida, uh, a game that I think at the start looked like Florida was or Alabama was going to pull away pretty easily. Florida comes back and actually uh, puts up a pretty decent performance in making it a game. Yeah, I'm going to be honest. Uh, I know a lot of people are pulling the Alabama looks vulnerable card, which I think is always a very dangerous game to play because we've been doing this for like 15 years and they're still not vulnerable. Um, I think if anything, it, it was a really nice statement about Florida. Um, I did not think that, you know, it was what, 21 to three in the first quarter or something. Uh, I, I had them, I mean, I thought it was going to be, you know, a 48 to 10 kind of affair. And 
Um, you know, Florida came back and they played good defense uh, really the whole second half. And, uh, you know, a couple plays go their way, uh, you know, in short yardage situations. They end up winning that thing. Um, I, I, I think I learned more about Florida than I did about Alabama. I think Alabama is still really, really good. I mean, that's, and you know that Nick Saban is going to absolutely like massacre them. And so I feel bad for Southern Mississippi this weekend. Like, that's going to be just awful. Um, but I, I think it was a really good showing by Florida, who, you know, I, I just didn't really know what they were, you know, quarterback wise. They've kind of been up in the air and uh, they've had, you know, tackling problems the last couple of years. They did at the beginning of the game, too. Um, but, you know, to, to take Bama to the wire is not something that happens a ton. Uh, I, I thought that was a really impressive performance more than it was, uh, hey, Alabama isn't as good as we think kind of deal. Right. I think I think what I saw on the pod comment the last week going into that game was, you know, if you're a team that has two quarterbacks, that means you have no quarterbacks and you're screwed against a team like Alabama. Florida played pretty well. They, they battled. And, and like you said, I think there were a team that, um, you know, after losing Kyle Trask, you're kind of going into the season saying, you know, what is their identity? You know, you know that they want to be high tempo and, and get points. And, you know, that, that, what Dan Mullen brings in the SEC. But, you know, can they do that without um, their star quarterback? And I think that after last week, you have to kind of look at the SEC East and say, yeah, Georgia's the top team right now. But Florida, if they play right in, in any certain week, they have a chance to compete, compete for the SEC East title. And I think a lot of people were saying that, you know, maybe that's not the only time we see Florida take on Alabama this year, obviously, lose to the championship game. Do I still think Georgia's a better team? Yeah. But I think, like you said, I learned a lot about Florida this weekend in terms of saying, um, I, I think they can compete with Georgia when that game comes around. So that, that's certainly going to be interesting um, to, to kind of watch moving forward how the SEC, pan, SEC East pans out. I think it's a little more uh, open than, than maybe we thought at the beginning of the season. Um, speaking of SEC teams, uh, a non-SEC game, a non-conference game that I think was um, thought to be the game of the week by some last weekend, Penn State um, hosts Auburn in a whiteout. Penn State comes away with a 28-20 win, I believe the final score was. I think, at least for me, Auburn competed a lot more than I thought they were going to. And I think they may be, despite losing, prove that they're a little better team than maybe a lot of people thought going into the season. Yeah, I think they're ahead of schedule than, than what we you know, what we thought. Um, you know, I, my favorite, like, new take is that, like, if, if, uh, if uh, Penn State was in the SEC West, they would finish, like, fourth or fifth. And it's like, do we really need to be playing this game? Probably not. Um, but you know what, Penn State. Are you, are you saying that Penn State's not thinking about joining the expansion, the SEC? I mean, it, you know, <laughs> I don't know if they could. I mean, who could? It'd be hard. It's hard to turn down the alliance. So I think they're they're pretty firm. <laughs> um, but uh, you know, I it's that environment. You know, the whiteout with one hundred and ten thousand or whatever it was. Um, you know, that was going to be a tough game for anybody. Um, and Auburn played really, really well. I, I thought it had a chance to be kind of a shellacking um, because, you know, Auburn, had, yeah, they looked really good in two games, but they hadn't really played anybody of, of really any notoriety. Um, and so for them to kind of put that effort in, I, 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 I was, yeah, I know a loss is a loss, but I came away kind of like with Florida, like way more impressed um, because I, I learned a lot about them in, in that sort of a game. Right. I, yeah, I think 
it, it all kind of starts and ends with Bo Nix for Auburn and, and what he does. And I know a lot of situations, and we'll talk about this a little bit with Will Rogers and Mississippi State, people get a lot of pretty irritated with a, a game manager type quarterback. I thought Bo Nix did a pretty good job of that against Penn State because that's a game where you cannot afford to make dumb mistakes and maybe be overly aggressive and kind of shoot yourself in the foot. I don't think he played great. I don't think Bo Nix is a particularly good quarterback. But I think in that situation at Penn State, in that environment, he played pretty well under the circumstances. And, and going into SEC play, I think um, Auburn's probably where they want to be. I mean, they're they're two and one, and I know their wins are are not really, um, you know, against NFL teams. But uh, their their one loss was pretty decent in, in a tough environment. So I'll give them a little credit for that. I think most people expected them to be two and one going into SEC play, but maybe from you know watching them. They look a better, a lot, a lot better than we expected. So that's kind of interesting. I think it's surprising as Auburn may be right now in terms of a team going on the up. Uh, looking ahead to, to this week's matchups, a team that's kind of underwhelming right now is Texas A&M, and they travel to Arkansas, a, a team that's pretty interesting and, and a ranked team right now, a pretty good team, and you know that environment's going to be very interesting. Uh, what have you seen from Texas A&M so far, and, and do you think that they're an upset alert this weekend? Yeah, I, you know it's. I never particularly thought that Kellen Mond was a, a you know, a superstar. Um, you know, he was there for like 15 years. Um, but I think we're learning how important a veteran quarterback is. Um, you know, they're on their second guy now because uh, the number one guy broke his leg or whatever it was. Now it's Calzada. They're just extremely inconsistent um, offensively, which is just very weird for a Jimbo Fisher team uh, especially since you know I understand if this was like his first or second year at AM, but given how good they were last year and how they got things rolling you kind of expected whoever who was whoever was going to be the quarterback was going to step in and it was just going to kind of keep going um, right. and then you know Arkansas just keeps just crushing people's souls um, they're really solid um, I, I think that's absolutely an upset game you know if if AM could barely beat you know Colorado or whatever it was by like 10 to 7 or whatever that game was uh Arkansas is a lot better than Colorado is at least right now I I think that is potentially a very very dangerous uh game and and, you know at this point like I don't even know if I consider it an upset because if you went by preseason things yeah it's an upset but if you're just going by how people are playing right now Arkansas should win they're playing way better Right. No, I, I 100% agree. And I think um, we hear this a lot in, in Major League Baseball just because of how long, you know, a season is, maybe more so than you would see in college football. But sometimes it, it really matters when you play a team versus who you play. And I think right now Arkansas is pretty hot and A&M is not. And I, I don't know, are you going on a limb and saying that Arkansas is going to win? I mean, my picks are so screwed anyway that I might as well. <laughs> I For what it's worth, I think I'm first place in our picks and I'm also going to pick Arkansas. So you don't really have much to lose there. Um, But yeah, I think, I think Arkansas is just a better team. I think they're just playing really tough football and no one wants to play them and no one wants to play them at Arkansas. I think that's going to be a really tough game. I know Mississippi State plays there later this year. um, And then Mississippi State also plays at Texas A&M next week. So it's definitely an interesting game for Mississippi State's sake, just in terms of, um, you know, film and, and watching how these teams play. But at the same time, it's a, it's just an interesting game in, in terms of seeing how the SEC is going to uh, pan out. And I mean, shoot, if, if Arkansas wins this game, they're probably up near the top 10. I'm, I'm going to assume they're going to be a top 10 team if they win this game. And all of a sudden, you're, 
I don't think they're they're ready to beat Bama yet, but they're they're contending for a pretty good bowl game for an Arkansas team that I think most people had towards the bottom of the SEC West projection. Can't remember exactly where they finished in the preseason poll, but it's a really surprising team that's kind of um, made a pretty fast move up the polls and, and has a chance to really make a jump here. And um, we'll we'll see how that one pans out. A lot a lot of the games uh, we'll talk about Mississippi State LSU later. I think that aside from A and M Arkansas is probably the biggest toss up game. Um, one game that that's kind of just interesting, and you know, a lot of other games just aren't. And there's a lot of you know, as you mentioned, Alabama playing Southern Miss, I think is a 46 point underdog. Um, so I think that game we don't need to talk about it. I think we both know what's going to happen in it. Um, Kentucky USC is an interesting game because Kentucky should, in theory, win that game. And um, South, I'm, I'm talking about South Carolina. Sorry if I offend you with the USC uh, comment was, there. I was, was going to say, excuse me. <laughs> it's all right. I've been contacted about taking that job too at this point, so we'll see how that how that pans out. Um, but that's a whole other thing. But no, South Carolina hosts in Kentucky. South Carolina, I mean, they got pounded by Georgia last week, but I. I think they're a little better than where they were last year. I don't think they're good necessarily, but they're a little better. And I like what Beamer's doing. Um, Kentucky struggled against the SEC East. I think uh, one in 13 or something like that in the last 14 games against the SEC East or on the road against the SEC East. I know Kentucky struggles against the East and they're they're taking on the South Carolina team this weekend that I think is going to be looking to come out strong after kind of getting embarrassed at Georgia a little bit. Um, do you think there's any chance uh, South Carolina can pull that off, or, or do you think Kentucky kind of controls it? I mean, I think there's a chance. Um, like you said, you know, Kentucky doesn't have the best track record uh, in things like that. And um, first of all, Shane Beamer with an all-time rant uh, the other day about five-star defenders. That was just absolutely incredible. Um, I, answering I answering a question from our guy, Ben Portnoy. It's an absolute legendary answer. Um <laughs> But, you know, I, 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 like you said, they're not good, but I think they play hard. And, um, you know, it's, it's a rebuilding project. Everybody hates that term, but it, I mean, it, it really is. The cupboard was not particularly full uh, over there, but I, I think Beamer's a good motivator. Um, he's, he's a passionate guy. And so I, I think, you know, again, it's, it's not like they're, they're going into Tuscaloosa or Gainesville. Um you know, I think Kentucky, yeah, on paper, they should beat them up. But, uh, you know, they've been known to play some kind of uninspired football every once in a while. Um, and, and I don't think South Carolina is going to, you know, come in uh, uninspired. I, I definitely think they have a chance. I, I, I don't think I'm going to go on a limb and say that they're going to win that one, but I would not be surprised at all. Yeah, I'd agree. I, I think Kentucky's going to end up winning that game. I think Kentucky's actually – you know, not just a better team here. I think Kentucky's a pretty good team in general, um, you know, this season. So we'll see how that game pans out. Um, but yeah, I, I like I like Beamer's answer just because I think um, it was just brutally honest, man. I mean, there, there's so many times where fans, um, you know, will be a, be pissed that their team can't beat in Alabama or can't beat in Georgia. It's like, dude, like these are these are NFL dudes on the other side that are five star recruits, and at some point. You don't want to tell your team that, and maybe some fans will be upset that Beamer thinks that, you know, they can't win just because they have less talent. I don't think that's what he was going at there. Um, at some point, you just got to be honest with yourself and, you know, hey, it's hard to block a 340-pound dude if you are not a 340-pound dude. So um, <laughs> you kind of understand where, where he's coming from in some cases, and, and you kind of understand what it, the situation that he's coming into. I mean, I think he is trying to protect himself a little bit too by saying, hey, you know, I'm, I'm taking over a team that was really bad 
and trying to build kind of from the ground up, that's kind of where you start is you got to start getting those five-star guys and it's hard to get there. It's hard to get there against, um, you know, teams like Georgia and Alabama. So that's, that's kind of the roundup for uh, SEC play. I think it'll be an interesting weekend. I, I think the SEC besides Alabama is, is pretty wide open right now. It, it seems like it's going to be a pretty fun season as uh, we kind of get into the normal routine of a lot more conference play um, going forward throughout the fall. So that's going to be a lot of fun. Um, Ole Miss on the bye week this week, coming off that win. They're 3-0, um, looking pretty good. I think, what was it, number 13 in the AP poll? Um, you know, from, from my observations, the games I got to watch, mostly the Louisville game, but um, they look pretty good. They look pretty legit, and they look like a team that um, can have another fun game with Alabama in a couple weeks. Um, and, and and you wrote a lot about this after Saturday's game and coming into bye week. I mean, Matt Corral is a legit Heisman contender right now. He's no longer – I think Herb Street kind of mentioned him as kind of a dark horse contender um, at, at the beginning of the year. A lot of people had him as a dark horse contender. I think he's a real contender right now. He's playing really good. I'm um, arguably the best quarterback in the nation. What have you seen from him this year that um, has kind of helped him take that next step to be the guy after last season? Yeah. So, you know, I, it, it was Robert Griffin, I think was like, this is going to sound crazy, but Matt Corral's going to win the Heisman. And I think all of us kind of like, we're like, oh, okay, Robert, like, <laughs> a little bit. Um, but Matt Corral is completely in control of everything Ole Miss wants to do offensively. Um, there's a ton of, you know, skill around him with the receivers and the running backs and the, and the line is doing a really nice job. Um, but Matt Corral is basically the perfect quarterback for college football right now. He's got a big arm, uh, but he's also extremely mobile. He makes things happen. You know, he's got 14 total touchdowns this year without a single turnover. Um, and that was, you know, that was the big thing last year. He had two really, really, really bad games. Um, you know, six picks against Arkansas, and I think it was like five against LSU. Um, you can't take those games out, but if you take those games out, he was almost perfect. Um, and so far he has avoided those sorts of mistakes. And yes, the competition is going to get harder, but um, he's just, he, he just knows exactly what he wants to do. And um, I think another interesting thing, just kind of listening to how players and coaches have talked about him is he's, he's kind of taken ownership of, of the team. And, um, you know, I, I know a lot of coaches coach speak up quarterbacks and whatnot, but uh, you know, Lane Kiffin kind of gave this really like interesting story about Corral during the Austin P game where, um, you know, they were the coaching staff was changing plays to try to hit home runs, basically. And and Corral kind of got mixed up and, and uh, there was some mis miscommunication. And, you know, Matt Corral like went to the sideline and like got in Kiffin's face about it and was like, we don't need to be doing this. And Lane Kiffin li literally said, I thought that was really cool that he's like so in the game that he wants to be a part of all of this and um he's just really taken on a sort of leadership role that um it, it really sounds like he's earned he's he's always had the physical skill i mean that arm is golden and he's been like that since high school um but you know as kiffin has said the mental part has has caught up with his obvious talent and now he is he's the leader and, and you see it on the field. He's a fiery guy. He's competitive. He does not like to slide. He wants to get every single yard. Um, and if something isn't working, he will, he will show a lot of emotion and, um, but he's doing it in a way that sort of 
inspires confidence from, from the rest of the team, the coaching staff. And, um, you know, you, you just, again, it's three games, but it's hard to envision anybody playing quarterback better than what Matt Corral is doing right now. I mean, he has been legitimately perfect and, yeah, I know, you know, the BAM game looms large and that's going to be a huge showcase for him. You know, if, if Ole Miss loses a close game and he puts on a show, you know, it's still his Heisman. Um, but, you know, if he has a six turnover game, then it obviously changes the narrative a little bit. So, you know, not to put that all on him and it shouldn't be all on him that game, but um, he's, he's, he's done a remarkable job so far. Lane Kiffin has said he's a top 10 pick and he's going to make a lot of money. Um, and I'm, 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 I'm starting to believe Lane. I, I think Matt Corral is a really special, really special player. Right. I think you, you kind of hit on it there that it, it's, it's so tough for teams to kind of start pinning expectations on, okay, how is the Bama game going to go? Because I think that's just pretty unfair to Matt Corral and, and Ole Miss to have their season defined by that. But at the same time, when you look back on some Heisman winners, I think Johnny Manziel is kind of the first one that comes to mind. They all have that Heisman moment, and it usually comes against a team like Alabama. I think for Matt Corral, if he makes a real push for the Heisman, and I think he can, um, he's got to play pretty well in that game. That doesn't mean that he can't struggle and that they can't, you know, win out the rest of the way and he'll still be a Heisman candidate. I think that could happen. But everyone likes to have that, you know, that one moment. I think that could be the game for him. And, um, and, and he's just made so much strides. This year. I mean, he's, he's Ole Miss and uh, him running the offense are really fun to watch. Um, I, I know watching that Louisville game, I, I think had that happened last year where Lane is, is not on the sidelines, I don't think Matt could have been able to perform as he did this year. I think that really showed the, the steps he made to kind of um, not just be a good player, but be, you know, a bit of a coach in that game. I, I think he, he showed um, a real leadership ability for a young guy and, um, and it was pretty fun to watch. So. Uh, definitely interesting stuff down there or up there, wherever you are uh, in Oxford, uh, watching, watching Matt Corral, that offense click with Lane Kiffin. Kind of the opposite story at Mississippi State in the sense of uh, Will Rogers is putting up numbers, but I think a lot of people are waiting for that offense to kind of take that next step and put up those big points. And I think um, putting up only 29 at Memphis after Arkansas State put up 50 on Memphis is pretty irritating for some Mississippi State fans. And um, I'm doing a piece this week, just kind of diving into some of the numbers of Will Rogers, because on surface level, he's on pace to break Dak Prescott's single season passing record at Mississippi State. Um, you know, he's, he's completing about 75% of his passes. He's got eight touchdowns to one interception. So he's kind of getting rid of the mistakes. He's playing smart and he's playing well at stretches. He's playing well when Mississippi State is either losing or tied or, or building a lead. But once Mississippi State builds that lead, that's kind of where we've seen the offense for, for Mike Leach kind of dwindle away and maybe get a little too conservative. I mean, Leach himself said they had a little too conservative against Memphis and, and some of the underneath stuff. Um, a, a lot of what they're doing is, is you know, the dump off passes and, you know, the, the check downs, they're good plays. And yesterday during the, the ESPN Monday Night Football, uh, Peyton and Eli, I think Brock was talking about how important the check down is in an offense. And it is when it's executed correctly. I think what sets up a lot of the explosive stuff for Mississippi State early in games or, or when they're trailing um, is is a lot of those checkdowns. You're, you're drawn to defense in a little bit, especially in an air raid offense where teams are often dropping eight. You draw them in a little bit, then it opens the things up downfield that you have to take advantage of. What we see uh, as Mississippi State gets more conservative is they either don't take those chances after those checkdowns 
where the check downs start to be a little bit too safe. There, there's so many times where Rogers against Memphis went through his reads, then kind of just settled, dumps it off, gets a one yard gain. Well, that, that check down shouldn't just be, you know, you settling. It can be a play where you gain five or six yards or get first down. Um, and, and that's, you know, comes from looking at that check down maybe a little quicker, not going through 20 reads before you make that check down pass or not. Um, just, just dumping it down, making a pass that, that leads your running back. So you can, you know, when he catches it, he's already gained two yards. And then when he runs, he can gain four or five more. It's kind of those, those little things that, that separating Will Rogers from, um, from kind of taking that next step. I mean, his offensive grade on pro football focus has him as the number 21 quarterback in, in the FBS. He's the only quarterback, um, or he's, he's a top quarterback at the SEC only behind Matt Corral in terms of offensive grades. So he's putting up the numbers and, and getting the grades that you would want from him. It's kind of about taking that next step. I think a lot of that has to do with his inexperience. I mean, it's, it's a sophomore season, but he's only made nine starts. You know, his, his start against Alabama um, in mid-October is going to be his 12th game started. Uh, assuming he's healthy and starting by that point. And that's finally, you know, his first full, you know, season complete in terms of games played, which is hard to believe because of how much pressure is on him and the responsibility he has, not just in the SEC, but in the SEC with a Mike Leach offense. There's, there's a lot of responsibility that a quarterback has um, in, in that type of offense. So that's kind of the, the little things, um, holding on to the ball too long, not getting the ball out in the flat quick enough when they do settle for plays in the flat and then not taking those aggressive, aggressive shots um, in turn. And I think uh, that, that's kind of just what separates Mississippi State right now. I think um, they're a good team that probably should have beat Memphis. Officiating didn't help them. They didn't help themselves either uh, and got to a spot where, you know, they, they, that's a game they should have won. Mississippi State should be 3-0 right now. But they're not. Uh, they have a winnable game against uh, LSU this weekend. I don't think LSU's as great as they were, and obviously they lose. Um, they're starting and their star uh, defensive lineman and, and uh, Andre Anthony, so – uh, it should be an interesting weekend in the SEC as a whole. Definitely an interesting weekend here in Starkville uh, and a big game for Mississippi State. Um, you know, I wanted to touch on that officiating a little bit. I know, you know, that, that game against Louisville earlier this year, there were so many of those targeting calls and the game just kept slowing down. And reviews are, are, are bought so often, maybe more in that Memphis game with that punt return than any play we've seen this season. I mean, it's, it's been a pretty poor start to the season in terms of officiating. Uh, the SEC has come out, and I think they, they made a statement after the Auburn game saying they were upset with some calls and, um, you know, obviously what happened in Mississippi State game. Where What is the solution here? Because there, there's not really – no one's really being held accountable. You know, the, these officials aren't getting fired. They're not getting fined. Um, and then if you say something about them, you get fined. So you can't really do much there. What, what is this next step, I, do you think, if there is a solution, to fixing some of this officiating? Because at this point, it's not even human error because you have – replays that are failing you as well yeah it's 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 it was kind of i i chuckled a little bit when the sec released this statement because it's like well this doesn't really do anybody any good right now <laughs> right like the game's over they're not going to change the score um so like th th thanks i guess uh but yeah you know the the that first game with Ole Miss it, it was like four things like four targetings in the first half or something it was just absurd um and you know, obviously there was everything that happened in your game. There was the Auburn game. And I, I think it's sometimes I wonder, like, what's the point of replay if if we're not going to use it the right way? Like, I, I don't know. I, I'm not sure. I don't know what what the answer is here. I think that I think reviewing plays is good. I think you should get things right. Um, but you have to get them right. 
Um, and you know, I, obviously there was a lot that happened with, um, with, with the punt return and whatnot, but like, there's no reason that play shouldn't be looked at closely, like on the spot. Um, if there's, if there's even a question, like, you know, if, if you're going to review everything, you should probably review that too. And so it's, <laughs> you know, it's, I, I don't know. It's, it's, it's like they, they, it seems like they're reviewing everything, but they don't review the really important stuff or they botch it. And um, I, I, I'm a review proponent. It does slow down the game a little bit and sometimes it's a little ticky tacky, but um, I think overall it's good, um, especially for targeting stuff when, when they reverse, you know, rulings, when they realize it wasn't as bad right. as it looked or whatever. Of course, that sometimes it works the other way where, you know, it looks, uh, it looks worse on replay than it was in, in, in full motion. And there's, there's a, a whole can of worms there, but um, I, I don't know. It's, it's, you know, there's, it's, it is a little bit weird that like that officiating crew is probably going to be calling a game like on Saturday and it's, right. you know, they just keep doing their jobs. And um, I understand it's a tough job, but um, you know, they're covering college football games and, and not high school football games for a reason. Like they're supposed to be right. really, really good at their jobs. Um, and you know, I understand you're, there's going to be things missed here and there, but the things that they are missing are pretty egregious. And um, I, I don't know, I don't know if you can like suspend officials or if you can, you know, like put them on timeout. Like, I don't know if that's, if that's the answer. I, I, I just, I don't know. It's, I know football isn't played in the vacuum and, and it's, it's sometimes easier for us to see things on replay and point it out because uh, you know, we're, we're seeing different angles and whatnot. Of course they are eventually seeing those angles as well. But, um, you know, it, it's just, um, I, I, I don't, I don't know what, what they do. It's, it's, they have the foundation in place to do the right things. It's just, they keep doing the wrong things, which is kind of incredible. Right. Yeah. It's, it's interesting. Cause it, as bad as the officials were, you kind of imagine, I mean, what were the replay officials doing? What, you know, what's going on? If, if you can watch a replay and put out a statement, then you probably should have watched the replay in real time and reverse the call instead of waiting to put out a statement. So, It'll be interesting to see what happens, how the SEC handles it. I feel like it's going to get swept under the rug and nothing's going to actually happen from it. But I've been wrong before. So uh, th that'll wrap us up today for Justify Your Existence. Once again, you can follow us um, at djournal.com and, and follow our, our, our podcast on your favorite podcast platforms. Uh, follow our coverage at djournal.com and uh, join our Facebook groups. Our, uh, the Mississippi State one is Mississippi State Discussion with Parrish Alford and Stefan Kreisnick. Uh, yours is Ole Miss discussion with Parrish Offer and Michael Katz. So uh, thanks, everyone, for listening. We'll have Parrish soon back. Don't worry. He'll be back running the show. But, but I hope we did a fine enough job filling in, and uh, we'll be back next week.